King Jesus, that's the cry of our lips. King Jesus, that's the, the resonance in our hearts. You are worthy, Yahweh. You're worthy of all glory, you're worthy of all honor, you're worthy of all praise, you're worthy of our time, you're worthy of our attention, you're worthy of our gifts, you're worthy of all of our resources, all of our energy. And I pray this morning, King Jesus, that you would presence yourself so mightily in every single room, your new spring family gather. And we lift you high, and as we lift you high, I pray that you would reveal yourself that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you would stir us, and that you would leave us changed. So open up our ears to hear, our eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You all can grab your seats. You all are sounding amazing this morning, New Spring family. How you doing? My name's Dan Leanne, one of the teaching team here, and and uh, my voice is a little bit bassier than usual. And uh, so be praying for me that this voice holds up for two services. I'm trying to get over what a lot of you all are trying to get over. I've got a feeling that most of you all gave me what I'm trying to get over. And, uh, but it's a real joy to be able to come and worship King Jesus this MLK weekend. I'm so grateful that I live in a country that celebrates and honors men and women who give their lives in the cause of justice, who give their lives in the name of the kingdom. And I just wanna encourage you as someone who has moved to this country in the last seven years, I'm pretty much a southerner right now, I had a biscuit for breakfast. <laughs> to never take for granted what a beautiful country we live in. And I know that we're heading into a year where there's going to be a lot of voices and a lot of noises, but how many know King Jesus is still on the throne, he's still in control, and he's up to something good in this nation. Can you say a good amen to that? Come on, put your hands together for King Jesus working in and through this amazing country. Last week we started a series called One Another. And Jesus kept it pretty simple. I don't know about you, but I'm a simple person. Jesus had to keep things pretty simple. Your life is gonna work out, you're gonna fulfill your destiny, you're gonna change the world if you focus in on loving God and loving one another. Last week, our pastor and my brother, Brad Cooper, talked about how we get to love one another when we first and foremost know how loved we are. When you know the love of God, you know who you are and whose you are. And from that identity, we then have the power to love one another. The Bible was so serious about us loving one another, the New Testament is overflowing with one another scriptures. You'll see up here on the LED walls, 59 different references regarding one another. Let's keep it simple. Life is about loving God, and when we experience the love of God, we extend our love to one another. I know that the world feels pretty complicated right now, but our path forward is simple. Love God and love one another. That's the reason you'll see in those scriptures how we have to love one another, how we are to show generosity to one another, how we are to bear with one another. Come on, look around at the people 
and recognize that God's commanding us to bear with one another. I want you to turn to your neighbors and say, hey, I'm choosing to bear with you. I'm gonna bear with you. Come on, turn back to him and say, well, if you're gonna bear with me, I'm gonna bear with you. Barely. <laughs> we gotta learn how to forgive one another, how to honor one another, how to pray for one another. All week, this week, I'm telling you, New Spring family, I don't know what the statistics are, but it feels like there's been more people at our 21 days of prayer and fasting gatherings in the mornings than I've ever seen before. And if you haven't experienced it yet, I encourage you just to take a morning out or two this week. Come along and just check it out as we pray for one another. To encourage one another. Go on, tell someone they're looking good this morning. Come on, they're smelling good. You did a great job getting here this morning. You did a good job putting together a nice outfit this morning. Come on, encourage one another. Come on, build one another up according to their needs. To greet one another with a holy kiss, like we heard, that's five times in the Bible. For my college students in the corner here, that is some, some strong, you know what I'm saying, Christian riz, you know what I'm feeling? Like, go find yourself a nice young lady, single man, and say, hey, it's five times in the Bible. I'm just trying to be a doer of the word, amen? <laughs> greet one another with a holy kiss. I think it's appropriate this MLK weekend that we look at the subject today of serving one another. That's what we're gonna talk about today. More than just talk about it, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do. Challenge us, convict us, arrest us, and move us forward. We're going to talk about serving one another. One of MLK's most famous quotes is that everyone can be great because anybody can serve. MLK was just echoing what his King Jesus told him, what King Jesus tells us today, that the greatest amongst us will be the servant. Then the kingdom of God, greatness is spelled S-E-R-V. That's the reason King Jesus himself said, I didn't come all the way to earth to be served, even though I deserve to be served, for I am the king over all. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. His serving bought your future. And if our King Jesus would do that, how can we do anything less? Get your mind around that. Our path into greatness this side of eternity isn't through struggling or striving, proving or impressing. Our path into greatness is through serving. Your path into a great marriage is learning how to serve one another. As you serve Keith, Keith as you serve Donna, Jesus said we step into a great marriage. Hey, how many people want a great family life? How many people want greatness in their home? The path into greatness in your family life is serving one another. Parents serving their children, children serving their parents. As we serve one another, Jesus says we step into greatness. I wanna work in a great workplace. I want my nine to five to feel like 
is full of purpose and full of meaning. Well, Jesus said, if you want your workplace or your business to be great, you serve your way into a great business. I want my friendships and my relationships to be great. I don't want any garden variety, man, mid, uh, kind of cool relationship. I want to have great relationships. I want to have great friendships. And Jesus said the way that we enter into a great friendship, a great relationship is we serve one another. The path into greatness, the path into experiencing every good thing that Jesus came to give us is not personal struggling or striving, the pulling ourselves up from our own bootstraps, but humble, submitted serving. As we recognize we have a God who loves us, we love one another through serving. Before confession, I find that hard. <laughs> and you should confess too, because I know you guys will be too well. You find it hard as well. So on one hand, you have Jesus inviting us to serve like he served, but would anyone agree with me? That's our most unnatural inclination. <laughs> A lot of us by default don't like to serve the way Jesus served. It's not the world narrative that we hear all the time. We live in a world that is consistently and continually preaching that if you're gonna serve, you serve for a period of time, but you serve to be served. You do that for a period of time, and if you do things right, you will ascend to a place where you don't have to serve anymore, people will serve you. Climb that ladder, ascend that hill, get into that position of power, and you'll be the one who is served. We live in a world that is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, preaching to you, dominate, win, be number one, that's the purpose of life. Take care of yourself, take care of your own business. This is what we're hearing all the time. Add to that, there is a very strong current in culture that's being created by the reality and the norm that is social media. Now I'm not here to throw shade at social media. I like me some social media. I like to jump on Facebook every now and then and check up on how you're going with your kids. I like to Instagram a little bit. I'm a big Snapchat guy, I'm not really, but I've got no issue with social media, but we have to recognize what this social media reality has done to the human psyche and soul. Social media has turned us inward. It has made us the center point of a universe around which everything orbits. We have cultivated these very distinct and loud echo chambers, these curated worlds where we are central and everything is periphery. Every single selfie that we take is reaffirming a lie from the enemy that the whole world revolves around us and we love to take a selfie. I need you to point out in the room right now, do you know any selfie takers? Come on, point them out right now. Good sub, someone here confessing, I'm a selfie. You know that America takes the second most selfies any given day of any country on planet Earth. You're o we're only beaten out by the Filipinos, you know what I'm saying? Because the Filipinos, they love a good selfie because they're an attractive nation. 
Again, not throwing shade, just making an observation that this does something to the human psyche and the human soul. It turns us inward. It makes us egotistical. We are centered in on ourselves. And an extended period of time of this reality causes us to have a high entitlement and a low empathy. We become very loud about what should happen. We become very quiet about doing anything about it. This is the extension of this inward-focused, self-centered, egotistical, social media reality. And as if that wasn't hard enough, we all have remnants of this sinful nature that is the opposite of serving. We all have this remnant of a sinful nature that actually is predisposed to selfishness and wanting to be served. I even found myself last night, I'm sitting on the couch with Krista, just trying to clear my head and, and just watch a movie and, and just prepare my heart for this morning. And, and I've got a lot of stuff on my mind this morning and I'm kind of barking orders at Krista. I need my pants taken up. I need, I need my tea ready for the morning. And I, I find it very easy to have a list of things that I would love done, presented to the people that I love. It is not my most natural inclination, especially when I feel like I deserve to be served or I'm under some level of pressure. It's not my inclination, come on, to want to ask the question, how can I serve so we have a problem. Jesus said the only pathway into true greatness, this side of eternity, is through serving, but we live in a world that's preaching an opposite message. We're all caught up in a social media current dragging us away from serving one another, and we all have remnants of a sinful nature that makes us more selfish than servanthood-like, amen? So what does Jesus do? He cuts in on this problem. And he teaches a lesson so powerful, so memorable, that it changed 12 young men 2,000 years ago. And this lesson has been resonating ever since. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of John chapter 13. John chapter 13, where Jesus so lovingly and powerfully cuts off this flow and this tide towards selfishness and averts that current towards servanthood. Now, if you've been around church any period of time, you all would have come across this chapter at some point in your journey. Some of you all may have heard reference to this story, but I promise you that if you would allow your soul to get got like mine has been gotten got throughout the whole course of the week, it's gonna change the way we serve the people that we love, serve the people who we work with, serve the people we go to school with, serve the people we come to church with. If you would allow this story to become real in your journey, I promise you there isn't one man, woman, or child who won't leave with a greater desire by the grace of God to serve just like Jesus. John chapter 13 is found after John chapter 12. That's not very deep, it's just simple mathematics. But John chapter 12 marks the end of 
John's telling of Jesus's miracles and traveling around doing public ministry. And John chapter 13 begins with a meal. And I wanna, want you to put yourself in the middle of this meal. There's so much going on. The Bible's talking about how Jesus is finding himself looking at the cross that lays ahead. All the emotions, all of the feelings. The disciples were gathered around with King Jesus, this radical rabbi who had turned the world upside down. Everyone's trying to get a piece of Jesus, maybe get a word in with Jesus, maybe a touch from Jesus, a healing from Jesus, and here were the boys who were closest to him. They had a front row seat. The Bible says in verse one, it was before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were, with, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The hour had come. The sermons had been preached. The healings had been performed. The kingdom has been declared. Now it was time to fulfill his purpose and go to the cross. In but a day, he would be arrested, beaten, bloodied, bruised, crucified in the most horrific manner. He knew it all lay around the corner and what filled his heart? Love for his friends. In the midst of the pressure, in the midst of noise, in the midst of all the uncertainty that swirled around, he chose to love his friends to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus makes it clear you have to allow me to serve you the way that I have been destined to serve you to save your life. It's not your effort, it's not your energy, it's not your game plan back into heaven. It was the grace of God displayed through King Jesus as he served us that wins our life. Then Simon Peter said, not just my feet and my hand and my heads, my, my, my hand, my heads, my hands and my head as well. I love how Peter didn't have an inside head voice, he only had an outside voice and he goes, all right, if you're gonna wash my feet, then wash the whole part. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet and their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that, he, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, 
for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. He's saying, you call me Lord, you call me Savior, and that is exactly what I am. You call him Lord, you call him Savior, and that's who he is to you. Well, he's saying if your Lord and your Savior would do this, how much more should we do this for one another? There are no exceptions. There are no pass outs. I get out of this because of, you know who I am? Hey, Dan, you got no idea. I'm a powerful person. People recognize my weight and my privilege and my authority. No, no, no. If you call him Lord and he washed feet, this is an all swim now. If serving in the kingdom of God is beneath you, then truly operating within this kingdom is beyond you. You'll never get it. If I, your Lord and rabbi, serve, how much more should you? Verse 15, I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He doubles down. If you all think this does not apply to you, don't bother applying to be one of my disciples. As I have done for you, you need to do this for one another. And then he says, now, uh, now you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Allow this to shape you. Allow the feeling of sitting in a room watching Jesus in an evening meal get up from the table and go quietly to a back room, strip down to his underwear, cover himself in a towel, come back into the room with a bucket of warm water. Picture Jesus kneeling before your feet and dissolving the dung and the dirt from between your toes. Feel the embarrassment as the king of the universe lowered himself to that position. But let that stir you, let that inspire you, let that challenge you, let that change you to run out of this room and seek a foot to wash. Let that challenge you, proud man of God who looks at their, looks at their family and says, you know what, I work hard, I deserve to be served. Let that encourage you to jump out of your truck at the end of the day and walk into the room and say, how can I serve? Come on, let that encourage you, young person who is, hey, you know what? My life is so busy right now. I've got so much stuff going on. Everything should revolve around. No, no, how can this turn you into someone who looks at a world so broken and asks the simple question? I don't wanna talk anymore. How can I serve? It's a challenge. He actually sets an example. See that in verse 16, he says, 15, I have set an example that you should do as I have done. That word example in the Greek literally means I have established the original copy from which you're meant to copy forevermore. I saw some footage of a coach doing some coaching work the other day. It inspired me. I love watching this coach telling a young player to do it this way. 
Don't do it this way, do it this way. Young player tries and the coach steps in and goes, no, do it this way. Then the young player gets in and kind of does it that way and the coach says, closer, but do it this way. And then the young player steps in and does it that way. And then the coach jumps in, yes, do it that way and do it that way again and again and again. We have a king who is also our coach who loves you so much that he steps into your journey and says, don't do it this way, do it exactly this way. Not because I'm trying to control you or just use you. I want you to experience greatness as I define it this side of eternity. Serve one another this exact way. So here's the question. How did Jesus serve? And what would happen if we served like Jesus served? What would happen to our marriages? What would happen to our families? What would happen to our homes? What would happen to our workplaces, our teams, our schools, our church gatherings? What would happen if we serve like Jesus served? Well, first and foremost, I want you to understand this. This is how Jesus served. First and foremost, Jesus served humbly. We will never serve the way Jesus served if we serve through the lens of what I deserve what my right or my privilege is, but recognize that we all are commanded to put aside our rights, put aside what, our, what I deserve or what we've earned, and we take the position of a servant. There was a humbling that was required. This is a constant challenge to my life Probably the thing that the Holy Spirit talks to me most about is first and foremost, my identity, and then second of all, be humble and sit down. I love you so much. This is who you are and whose you are. So get over yourself, Dan, and sit down. And there is power in that. Amen? There is life in that. See that in verse three? He humbles himself. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power the one time in scripture where Jesus knew clearest exactly who he was and what he was called to do, all of heaven and earth's power was put into his hands, the ESV says. And what did he do with those hands? He used his hands to wash feet. If you don't use your power, your resource, your position and your privilege to serve one another, it will become pride. And pride turned an angel into a devil. What could it do to you? Use every resource God has given you to serve. And that he had come from God and was returning to God, or in other words, at his moment of highest purpose, what did he do? He served. You gotta know that in the grand scheme of eternity, your purpose, your living with meaning is going to be intricately intertwined with serving. Life isn't about ascending a hill and having your name up in lights. Life in the grand scheme of eternity is serving one another. At this moment of highest power and highest purpose, the Bible says he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped himself with a towel. What a wild picture of humility. Could you imagine being in that room and Jesus slipping away and 
the conversation is just flowing and the Passover meal is being consumed. The next thing you know, Jesus is there standing in the corner in his whitey tidies, tidy whities He's got a beach towel wrapped around him. And before the disciples could make a move, he's on his hands and his feet, washing the feet of those disciples. Those young men. I'm not good with feet, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how much you'd have to pay me to touch your feet. It would be a high, high price. And the younger and the sweatier were, the higher the price would be. Gauntlet registrations open up really soon. I'm telling you, Gauntlet is a special place, especially near the end of the week when you have thousands of teenagers who have neither drunk water nor bathed in water. There's a special funk and ripeness in the air. Smells like ax and armpit, you know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus would lower himself and wash those feet. Humility is not about thinking less about yourself. That's called insecurity. Humility is just thinking about others more. There are some people who walk into the room and have that, I'm here, spirit. There are other people who walk into the room and say, hey, you're here, spirit. If we do the latter, how humbly we would serve. Point number two, quickly write this one down. Jesus didn't only serve humbly, but he served unconditionally. The Bible says after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus didn't only serve humbly, he didn't only value people higher than himself. It was the kinds of feet that he washed. He washed the feet of Peter, the loudmouth. He washed the feet of James and John, the ones who were always complaining that they were important enough within the grand scheme of things. It makes it very clear here that Jesus washed the feet of Judas, the one who rolled with him for three years and the whole time was a traitor. The one who would betray Jesus for a couple of hundred bucks. The one who from the beginning of time plotted the downfall of Jesus because Jesus did not serve what his personal needs were. Before you get too angry at Judas, is there anyone brave enough in this room to admit that they're Judas as well? That I've let Jesus down way too many times? That I've sullied his name for far less than a couple of hundred bucks? So just get your mind around that. Not only did he serve humbly, he served without condition. He served people who deserved to be served and, deserve, and he served people who didn't deserve to be served. Like full confession, I've got no problem serving people who deserve serving. I've got no problem giving my best for those who are given their best. But here, Jesus makes it very clear that if we're going to serve exactly the way he served, we're gonna be serving people, come on, who don't deserve to be served. But I want to challenge you, don't serve in response to how much someone deserves to be served, 
Serve knowing that you didn't deserve to be served and Jesus served you. Let your servant be marked by that, amen? Thirdly and lastly, I love it when the keyboard starts playing. It reminds me it's time to land the plane. He served humbly, he served unconditionally, and he served sacrificially. Verse seven says, Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And they understood later. Do you know how we know? There's no record in the early church of ceremonial foot washing. When you read through the New Testament, there's no instruction about foot washing. Why not? Because a couple of hours later, the disciples would see their friend and their King Jesus hanging on a cross, giving his life sacrificially so that they could live. And they went, aha, we understand now. This foot washing stuff was pointing towards something that Jesus would do on a cross that would save our very lives. So what would the disciples do? Spend the rest of their lives giving their life away so others could live. With every sermon that they preached, with every letter that they wrote, with every ounce of blood that was spilt, with every church that was planted, with every missionary journey that was undertaken, they were responding to what they saw Jesus do, not only in that room, but on that cross. They understood that in the kingdom of God, giving your life away causes life to happen. What would happen if we spent the rest of our lives, come on, giving our lives away so that others can live? What would happen when we start seeing our resources as something trusted to us for a period of time to give away so that life can happen? What would happen in Aiken as we give our overflow offering closes tomorrow? What would happen if we gave? We stopped fighting the Holy Spirit and just gave. How many thousands of people would hear the gospel in that part of South Carolina? Jesus gave sacrificially, understanding that in the kingdom of God, life isn't about what you get, but it's ultimately about what you give away. Can someone say a good amen to that? What would happen if you came to church every single week not asking the question, what can I get? I hear it all the time. You walk up to me, hey, hey Dan, uh, who's preaching this week? I know what you're asking. And there's nothing wrong with it. But you ask the question, what's the motivation behind that? And if it's, what am I gonna get this week? Ooh, it got real quiet in this room. What would happen if you walked in and saying, you know what? Doesn't matter who's preaching, I'm here to preach a sermon as well. There's someone here who doesn't know Jesus, I'm gonna show them Jesus in real life by the way that I love, the way that I serve, the way that I give. Come on. What would happen if we spent the rest of our lives not trying to get, but give? Jesus served humbly, unconditionally, and sacrificially. Do that exactly the same. What a beautiful church we will build. Actually, in a few moments time, on every single campus, we're gonna have a pastor and a shepherd step into this space 
and lead us through our response time. But as a part of that response time, we wanna give you an opportunity to take your next step into serving one another. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Lastly, and then we're done. I want you to receive this word just as a prophetic word over your life. There are some blessings for you in 2024 that you'll only experience or access through serving. There are some blessings on the table for you in 2024. And trust me, 2024 is gonna go by really, really quick because you know what I did yesterday? I threw away our real tree. But you know what I'm gonna do tomorrow? I'm gonna buy another real, you know what I'm saying? That's how fast the year is gonna go. And there is blessing in 2024 that you'll experience, that you'll access only through serving. How do we know that? Verse 17 says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Everyone say no. no. Say do. do. Everyone knows this. 10 out of 10 real Jesus followers say, Dan, you're 100% right. This needs to be my best year of serving. How many actually take that and it becomes doing? Uh, that percentage might change. We're gonna help you this year. Have your best year of serving God and one another. And there's a blessing. This is scientific evidence. The happiest and the most blessed people any given Sunday morning are the people who are serving. Just look at them on the way out. Look at them on the way in. A couple of weeks ago, I was at our Myrtle Beach campus and we did church in a monsoon. It was like, like the winds were going crazy. There were umbrellas being blown around, parking people getting blown around. It was wild. And it was so much fun being out there trying to serve people from the parking lot into the building. I tell you that one of my ministry highlights of 2023, where did that blessing come from? Just serving. And we want that for your life as well. So serve your way into a great 2024. Know that it is not our natural inclination, but recognize Jesus cuts in as your coach and your friend and says, let me show you how to do it. Serve humbly, serve unconditionally, serve sacrificially. Don't just hear this with your ears, do it with your lives. What a blessing we will taste. Can someone say a good amen to that? Lord Jesus, we love you. Father God, we trust you. Holy Spirit, seal what you have begun. And help us serve exactly the way you served us. In Jesus' name.